0: As we're making our way through these different books of the Bible, I think you're going to find that the things that happened in these people's lives are exactly the same sorts of things that happen in our lives. Maybe their battles were fought a little bit differently, maybe their customs looked a little different, but I believe that people are people. God's always been the same kind of God, and people have always operated in the same sort of way, so different language, different cultures, yes. But ultimately, we wrestle with the same sorts of things. And so I find, when I read what God did in these people's lives, that it inspires me. Because I think, wow, what if my life could have those sorts of things happen to it? What if God would work in my life the way he worked in their lives? And so as we're going through scripture, I hope you see that. I hope this series is not a history lesson, but like a truth experience. You're finding out things that are, and then prayerfully saying, God, What would that look like in my life? So for me to take the second part of Genesis here, as Jacob gave us the beginnings last week, gave us all these themes that we're going to see track through Scripture, it's my privilege to talk about Abraham and his family. That's the the bulk of Genesis. Abraham, his son, his grandson, his great-grandsons, and what God did with that family. All of us have family, some of it very happily dysfunctional, uh, some of it broken and scattered in really painful ways, some of it thriving, but we understand family. Imagine what it would be like if our family grew and developed and had the impact that Abraham's family did. And why not? We look back at Abraham and think, wow, Abraham. But at that time, before any of that happened, he was just, Abram, some guy. Why can't we think that for some guy, some girl, some adult, some child now, the same amazing God would make something out of our lives that's amazing? Don't put these people up on pedestals too high. They were obedient, they were faithful, but God's the amazing part of this history lesson. And God's still God. I want you to elevate yourself to the level of Abraham and Sarah, and actually, I hope you do far better than they did, because they failed furiously many, many, many times, as did his son, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his 12 children, the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the forefathers, right, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you say those names, and you're like, wow, that's, that's big company to put yourself into. Why? Why? We're going to read their lives. If you haven't already read through Genesis, please go back to this book this week. Take some of what we've talked about today and inspire yourself. Catch a taste of what it would be like for your life to look like theirs despite their failings. God was faithful. All they did was hang on for the ride and make mistake after mistake after mistake, but God was God, and God carried them through. And the results were nothing short of miraculous because God can do anything. So I want to talk about faith. The kind of faith that looks like people leaving their lands to go. The kind of faith that looks like being willing to sacrifice anything. Abraham's faith. The kind of faith that looks like being able to believe that we will be the mightiest nation in the world from a husband and wife that can't have children. The kind of faith that goes into Egypt and becomes slaves and believes God's not done with us yet. You know, action faith. A faith that does something. But I think the thing that stops us from being people of action is we're really, really, really wanting to know in advance how it's going to work out. For all of us that have medical issues, we struggle without having any answers, really firmly believing we're going to get through to the other side. But if the doctors can prove to us, and we can see in the test results that this is okay, then we feel free to kind of take that big breath and move on. But the faith is going in a certain direction without any of the details. Faith is a lot more like a compass than a map. Go in this direction, and you feel it in your heart, and you don't know how it's going to work out, but you're just pushed. That's Abraham's story. God says, go, leave your homeland, go this way. And I'll take care of the rest. Abraham didn't say how. He just went. He felt it and he went. It's kind of an impulsive, inspired obedience. You Just know that God's doing something and you're supposed to go. So you go. It doesn't make a lot of logical sense and you don't have all your ducks lined up. You can't prepare for every eventuality. You're not trying to micromanage and control outcomes. You're just walking because you feel God says go. I would love for my family to look like that. I would love for each of your families to look like that, to hear God speak. Some of us would love that alone. You know, if God just said hi, we'd love to feel like, wow, we're the kind of people that could talk to God. Well, Abraham was just some nomadic sheep herder to begin with. So we can be anybody and God can use us. There's so much we can get from this. The faith of action, the ability to walk without all the answers, you know, obedience without all the information. But, you know, as I read through these chapters a few times this week, say, God, what do you want me to be inspired by this week? I hope it was many different things for many of you. And if you go back to read it this week, I hope it's many things for you this coming week. But for me... It was the concept of being a blessing. That's what jumped off the pages of God's word as I read Abraham's story. And so I'd like to read God's blessing to him. You're going to see that God repeats it to him at least three times in the course of his life. So God's like, I'm not done. Remember what I said? I'm still in this. We're together. And then God says it again to his son. His own encounter. Same promise. He's keeping it moving. And says it again to his grandson. Same promise. Again. And then says it again to those 12 tribes, same promise again. A God of generations accomplishing things on a massive worldwide scale despite the constant failures of the people implementing his plan. It's a beautiful, amazing story. So I'd like to look at the blessing and think about what it means to be blessed and what it means to be a blessing to the world. So we'll start with the first promise, the first encounter that Abram had with God. If you want to turn with me, we're going to flip through a few places in Genesis and just read these promises. This first one happens in chapter 12. Genesis 12. And obviously, if we're doing a sermon series on Genesis 12 through 50, we're not going to read everything, Uh, But you're going to see that from 12 through 50, the whole way, there's this constant theme of God blessing and making his people be a blessing. And I think when we just think about that and unpack that just even a little bit, we can scratch the surface of such a profound truth. That's what I want us to get from this. We are like Abraham. What would this look like for us? All right? So, Abram, here's from God. Doesn't say whether it was in a vision in this case. Doesn't say whether it was an audible voice. Doesn't say whether it was an overwhelming sense of conviction. I just know this. Doesn't say, because God can communicate in any one of those ways. But God made it clear to Abram what he wanted him to do. And this is what it looks like Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram at that point, he'd not been renamed Abraham, he's still Abram, go from your country. Good translation, that would be homeland, hometown. Go from your place where you grew up, where you know everyone, where you're comfortable, where it's like about you, and it's for you, and it's known, and it's safe. It's, it's your place. Leave your place and leave your people. This is almost like when a man leaves his father and mother to be joined together with his wife, and they begin a new family. God's saying, I'm not carrying on your family's story. We're starting a new family together. So leave your hometown and your relatives. Take just your family. Think Noah and the ark, right? Take just your family and go. We're about to see something new be born, a new family come to life. Go from your homeland Go from your relatives. Go from your father's house. The security of having mom and dad to take care, to provide, to be the fallback plan, to give wisdom. Go from that. Step away from that. We're going somewhere together. Go to the land that I will show you. So even yet, he hasn't shown him. I will. So just go this way, and I'm going to reveal things as we go. Verse 2. I will, here's promise, promise language, covenant language, I will make of you a great nation. Not just you will become a great nation, not you deserve to be a prince with a tribal nation under you. No, just I'm going to make something of you, Abram. God's power, God's blessing, right? And I will bless you. I will show you favor, grace, that same word, that same concept. I will bless you and I will make your name great. This is all God language. He's gonna make Abram's name great, so that you will be a blessing. The Abrahamic promise is rooted in missional thought. In God's desire, not just to pick the Jews out of the world and say, this nation of Hebrews are the ones that I have picked. You're my favorites. You get my presence. You get my law. You get everything. No. He's chosen him to be an image bearer, to be a truth bearer, to be a light in the dark, to carry. Go into the world and take me there. Be a blessing because God loves the whole world. He chose this man and his son, and his grandson, and his great-grandsons to be a blessing to the world. Don't hide and run. Go out and bless. It's just a real important value that we need to place in our faith being rooted, not in what we do or don't do. You know that Abram hadn't received any law yet. There's no circumcision yet. That's like a covenantal seal. I am God's child. There's no baptism for Jesus, certainly. We're not even there yet. There's no Ten Commandments. Abraham's faith was based on God is God, and he's leading me, so I'm going for the purpose of loving this great world that God created. Sort of like Adam. God loves his creation, and he puts an image bearer in it. It says, care for it all. It's what you're here for. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you, but not so that you can get rich and lazy and live off me and my inheritance, but so that you can have a purpose, a world-wide purpose. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's for purpose, right? Those words, "so that," that's why the blessing is happening. So that you will be a blessing. All right, continue with me, verse three. I will bless those who bless you. So as Abraham and his children go out, the people that recognize something special in them, they're blessed. When they bless them, they're blessed in return. Like This this blessing has a a reciprocating kind of factor to it. It's given, and then it's received. It comes from others, and then they're blessed. People who encounter God's people should walk away being like, I got something out of that. What was with that person? Or why did that work out so well? Or wow, that prayer really... What's with this? There's something there. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who bless you will be blessed. But... Those, verse 3, him who dishonors you, I will curse, or he who curses you, I will curse. So I will be your shield. I will take care of you, Abraham. Those who are against you, I will be against them. I'm going to lead you through this. We're going to make it, despite you, almost, because it's God's power, God's promise. And in you, through you, because of you, All the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's going to happen. It's a promise. Not some families of the earth, not just your family, all the families of the earth. When I read this and I, I, I see Christ in it, it feels to me the exact same conversation that Jesus has when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Be connected with God. He's our blessing. He's our inheritance. And love everyone around you. It looks just like how Jesus lived, too. Do you remember in Luke, the very first couple of chapters, I think it's chapter 4, Jesus stands up in his hometown and reads from Isaiah and says, This is the year of the Lord's favor. I have come to usher in God's blessing, his favor, and to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. I'm here to do just that. I'm here to do what was promised. Jesus didn't just show up and say, I've got it all. If you want it, you know where to find me. And then set up camp somewhere or set up a throne room or a courtroom. That wasn't his model. And in the beginning, that's what it wasn't. Or that also is how it was with Abram. We're not setting up a location. We're going. And it's not just for us. Salvation isn't just a gift to receive. It's a gift that then inspires it's a gift that prods. It's a gift that multiplies and expands. The kingdom of God is like a seed. When you plant it, it grows. A tiny seed becomes huge. It's meant to be exponential. And we see that in Jesus, and we see it right in the beginning with Abram and God, the beginning of this family line. So I've tried to take as much time as we can to just think about each separate word, but I would like to quickly now let you see that this same phrase is repeated. Maybe slight variations of a word or two in there, but basically verbatim, by God, to Abraham again a couple more times, then to his son Isaac, then to Jacob, and then to Joshua. Just happening and happening. This is God's promise. Not just that the Jewish people or that Abraham's people would be blessed, would be the chosen ones taken apart and special, but that they would be given mission and purpose, and God's purpose is to bless all the families of the earth. So the next one we're going to is in chapter 18. Just flip a couple of pages forward. It's 1818. Now this is in the context of angels from God coming and telling Abraham and Sarah that she's going to have this child. They haven't yet, but they want to, but Sarah doesn't believe. Abraham doesn't believe either. He laughs, but he sort of like comes around. She laughs and stays in her you know, like ironic and sarcastic place and is confronted by the angel. But in this place of doubting, the angel says something very Very interesting. So Genesis 18. Um, Yeah, let's start at verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am old, I'm worn out, and my Lord, my husband, is old. Shall I have the pleasure of children? The Lord said to Abraham, the angel there, the angel of the Lord, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? See, his faith is just all about God's going to do a great thing. Not about what he did, what he didn't do. It's not about any of that. We haven't even gotten there yet. The law has not been given. It's just faith to follow. So, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you. About this time next year. And Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid of the angel. Wise choice. He said, no, but you did laugh, honey. My translation, not there. Okay, verse 16. Then the men set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom. Okay, so they're looking at a place that God's about to destroy because they're not seeking God. It's just a place of wickedness. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord, the angel of the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. This is the key to it all. Just catch what's happening here. So often we take the do's and don'ts and use those as our interaction point with the world. Don't behave this way. Do behave this way. Don't do this. Do do this. And then we ask God, bless us. Abraham does it exactly the other way around. The angel of the Lord says the exact opposite way. God, tell me what I could do to honor you. I want to obey, and I'm just going to bless the world. The laws are like our jewel. They're not the weapon to bash someone over the head with. They're For us, obey God to the fullest extent of your ability because of how much you love him. But when you turn to the world, just bless them like crazy. And then as they wonder, where does this blessing come from? I just blessed this person, and I got blessed in response. What's well, different? You say, oh, we've got this God. And he said, we get to go this way, and we get to be with him, get to enjoy this holy moment in his presence. And he's taken us places, and he's so amazing. And I'd rather be with him than in my comfort zone. And we're just going. Well, you want to come? Then they say, yes. Then all the laws make sense. All the rules make sense. You're like, well, what is God like? What is he not like? What should I do? How do I do it? Because we don't behave right into our faith. We follow God and love him and become obedient by him working on us. We don't work our way in. It's given to us and we grow in it. We're the plant that grows, right? So you see that the blessing is meant to be our interaction with the world, not the law. The law is for us. It's a gift. Let's love God. Blessing is supposed to be our lifestyle. I have a quote downstairs on my wall. I think it's from um, John Newton. It says something to this effect. Um, when a man is right with God, he's apt to be hard on himself and easy on others. When a man is right with God, he's apt to be hard on himself and easy on others. But when a man is not right with God, he's apt to be easy on himself and hard on others. When a man's not right with God, he's apt to be easy on himself. Well, I didn't mean that. God will forgive. Doesn't matter. I don't need to do that. Here's a loophole. There's a thing. Of the, and hard on others. Why didn't you do that? Shouldn't you do that? Don't you know about God? So which is Abraham? He's the one who says, I want to teach my kids to obey you and to love you, God. And I want to be a blessing to the world. We're going to see that's what Jesus was as well. Kept every command, fulfilled it perfectly, and blessed the world. God's the judge. We're called to be his ambassadors right from the beginning. Allah is our joy. The blessing is our commission. All right, verse 20, chapter 22, verse 18. Again, we're just going to see a few more of them. You've got the main promise now. You've got the key. You want to keep hearing these and then skip to the New Testament just to see it continue to just be promoted, pushed, emphasized by Scripture from cover to, to cover. So 22:18 now this is in the place of sacrifice. So once again Abram's being challenged by God. Will you give up? Will you sacrifice the thing which you love most? Will you give your only son to die just like God was about to give his only son to die and Abraham said I'm not going to keep for myself anything. New Testament looks back and it says it's almost like Abraham believed in the resurrection of the dead. Like if he gives to God, God gave the promise, so God can just give Isaac back. He's just operating in faith, not holding anything back. In that moment, God reaffirms his promise. Same promise, same God, new situation, maybe new fears, same commitment. All right, where are we? 22. Yeah, 18. Oh, verse 15 is a good place to start. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that's on the seashore. Then your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Chapter 26, verse 4 that Isaac who was on the altar, chapter 26, verse 4, he gets the promise from God again. God's continuing generational promises, God's plan, God's people. Despite Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all their sins along the way, it's about God. Genesis 26, let's start in verse 2. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said to him, Do not go down to Egypt, but dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. I'm not telling you now. Here's your direction. Here's your compass. It's not a map. Just go the direction I say. Chapter, or verse 3 Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish, I'm going to make secure, I'm going to establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and he kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments here. They haven't been given yet. Just whatever he's heard from God, whatever God has said to him, he's done. That's the commands and the laws. Today, what's God asking you to do? This week, what is he calling you to do? This month, what is he saying stop doing? Just leading and following and walking hand in hand. That's what Abraham had. It was this beautiful thing. And God's saying, you, Isaac, we're we're keeping going. We're not stopping. So let's continue. Isaac now has a son. Jacob's promise. Uh, Chapter 28 Verse 14. Start in verse 13. This is a Jacob uh, dreaming of the ladder of angels, the staircase of angels coming up and down in that place, in that dream. Uh, Verse 13 gives another promise to the next generation. Behold, the Lord stood above all of this and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. So your grandfather, your dad, I'm their God. I'm showing up to you now. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and north and south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I'm with you. I will keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised Now 39, verse 5. Last one in Genesis here. Genesis 39, 5. So Jacob gets renamed Israel. He has these 12 sons. They sell Joseph off into slavery. And guess what happens there? He's blessed. What a coincidence. And the people who bless him are blessed. Finds himself in prison, yes, but it's a temporary thing. The blessings are fulfilled. So he finds himself in charge of all Egypt, and then there's a famine which God helped speak to him through a dream so that all of Egypt could be blessed because God was blessing Joseph, because God promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but fulfilled. He's just carrying on. You see? This is all together. So here we have in Genesis the continuation of this to the next generation. So, chapter 39 of Genesis, in verse 2, I guess we can start there. The blessing of the Lord was on all that the Egyptian had in his house and his field. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything except the food that he ate. Joseph didn't convert Potiphar. He blessed Potiphar. But because of blessing Potiphar, Potiphar knew that the Lord was with him. And at that moment, it's just up to Potiphar's heart whether he will say, I want that God with me or not. A lot of times we're looking for the conversion and we're working to change someone and it's frustrating. God, why aren't you answering my prayers? And we see people continually stuck in the same patterns of sin or depression or whatever the things are, addiction that's grabbing them. We're just like, Fighting a battle. But if we're to follow this blessing, the blessing is for us to obey God and to be blessed by Him and to just seek to be a blessing to that person. Because as they are, so once were we. And if God can bless us, then trust me, He can bless anybody. Because we're not all that special. Because it's God's promises about God's power. Not waiting for us to be successful, Christian perfect examples. No, we're just people following God who's perfect and who's blessing. And to see those blessings even in the midst of unemployment as was shared earlier. That's our mission, to see God's blessings and to be a blessing. So there's many more places we could go, but the place where we need to pull it all together is at the end of the Bible-ish. It's written by Peter, so aptly named the book of Peter, we're going to read his first letter to the Christians of that time, and you know Peter's story, right? It's right after the book of Hebrews. Hebrews we also could go to, and I would encourage you if you're reading through Genesis this week to hear more of Abraham's story, and more of his failings, and more of God's greatness. Hebrews chapter 11 has this great listing of all these people who lived by faith. By faith, Abraham set out from his homeland. By faith, he was willing to sacrifice his only son. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Esau. By faith, all these people... And with Esau's case, when you don't see faith, it's pointed out. Like, where's the faith? Where's the not? And it's all in the obedience. God said it, so we believe that it's going to happen. That same chapter says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who's going to follow him must first believe he's capable of doing what he promised. That's the kernel of faith. Or if you want, after you're done with Hebrews 11 and reading through Genesis, I'm giving a lot of homework here. But if you want to, you'll be blessed. There's so many things that tie. You could go back to Romans chapter 4. And Paul lays out the gospel, and he says, let me ask you a question. All you who are trying to do the right thing and be religious and make God happy that way. Was Abraham saved before or after he was given circumcision or the law? Well, it's got to be before. He, He followed God. He obeyed. He said, yeah, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as his righteousness. He was made righteous just by believing. And the obedience and the failings were just the details that came after that step of faith. So if you want to be challenged about what your relationship with God looks like, make sure you're coming at it from the right way. (laughs) We're seeking God. And then the ways we can know him, the ways we can serve him just become like treasures. And the ways we're meant to operate in the world become challenges and commands to bless. So Peter... Walked on water with Jesus, denied him three times, was reinstated by Jesus at the end. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 continues this. I, I, I quoted quickly Jesus and him saying that he's the fulfillment. Think about the angels who proclaimed They glory to God in the highest and peace on earth on whom his favor rests. Jesus' birth was a blessing to the world. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but to save the world through him. He's coming to bless and we're Jesus' body operating here to bless. We are to heal we are to give the shirts off our backs. We are to show love when our faces are spit upon. Like, that's Jesus. He died trying to bless people. And the guy was like, well, that's no big deal. I got you. You're back. Like, we don't, we don't hold any punches. We don't stop. We go. That's Jesus' example. We're his people. So Peter's pushing that as well, recognizing our righteousness doesn't come from the law. It's not legal. It comes from grace. It's favor undeserved, unmerited grace, and so be gracious, be grace-filled, be people of grace. That's what we get here in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. People hating you, hating them back, but nope. Flip that upside down. On the contrary, the opposite. Bless. For to this you were called, that you might obtain a blessing. You are called to be a blessing because your inheritance is that you will receive God's blessing. Don't be stingy with the blessing, be generous. God loves a cheerful giver. Give everything that you've got. Give your time, give your money, give your house, give your car, give your everything because you can bless. And how much are we blessed? We have such opportunity since God has blessed us so much, we have so much to give. Let's just give it all away. Let's bless the nations of the world so that they can come to love our God and then seek him out. Well, how can I honor this God who I see works so mightily with such a bunch of weirdos? Right? We're not the great perfect. Like a bunch of weirdos that God can do something with. The land of misfit toys. That's us. Good. Because then when amazing things happen, we can't take credit for it. That's what God wants. He wants the glory. So I'm going to ask the musicians if they'd come forward so we can sing a last song. I'm going to ask those who are handing out our communion elements to come forward so we can pass them out. And what I would like us all to consider as the music starts, as we take bread and juice in our hand, is are you willing to take that challenge? To be a blessing? Because that's what this is about. This is about Jesus paying the penalty for our sins so that we could just be people of grace. And if we've received, will we give? Will we keep the covenant agreement? That's what this is today. So let me say a word of prayer If you guys. Whenever you're ready, just start playing. Eventually, we'll just sing this last song together. It's Jesus paid it all, right? He paid for us so that we could be a blessing instead of just among the convicted world. Let's pray for God to drive this home to us today. Jesus, I would just ask that you would make this personal for me and for us. Help me to love your law and to live in it every day, to just want it and to, despite continually falling short, for all fall short, to just love you all the more and to love your grace all the more. Help me not to be critical of those around me who fail, but help me to see myself in them. Help me not to judge those who don't know you, Father, because that was me before you as well. Please give us the sacrificial agape love of Christ, your Son. And may we be a blessing, for we were called to do this so we may inherit your blessing. I ask your blessing on these elements. I ask your blessing on each one who takes, who eats and drinks. May we accept your challenge to bless a world that's a mess and to bless people that are hard to bless and to bless people that don't want to be blessed and to bless people that hate us in response. Help us to want that and to see that that's actually what you do for us. So please, Father, give us a commission this morning. Allow us to accept this challenge and and carry out your promises with us and through us and even despite us when necessary. We pray it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.